This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartRadio and Katie Couric Media. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and welcome to Next Question, where we try to understand the complicated world we're living in and the crazy things that are happening by asking questions and by listening to people who really know what they're talking about. At times, it may lead to some pretty uncomfortable conversations, but stick with me, everyone. Let's all learn together. You look great for your age. That's a compliment, right? Or is it? For your age, you look really good for your age. Yeah, I'd say that that's a compliment. Um, it implies that at your age, you should look terrible. <laughs> Do you think ageism is one of the last acceptable isms in society? That it's okay to criticize older people? I feel like when you get to a certain point in your life, you're kind of becoming or are invisible. And so I don't think it's acceptable. Okay, great. Thank, Thank you, you so nice much. To nice to meet you. In today's youth-obsessed culture, aging seems to be viewed as a negative, something to be feared, not revered, and the messages we're inundated with every day only reinforce that. A new study by the AARP found only 15% of images in the media show people over the age of 50, and when they do appear, they're often at home sitting around with a partner or nurse instead of out in the world exercising or working and you never see them using technology. Then there's the anti-aging industrial complex. Aging skin is dry. It can be embarrassing and make you look older than you really are. Now you can do something about it. Visibly plump skin in just one week. Bounce back and reduces wrinkles for younger looking skin. It's the ultimate beauty victory. Nobody has any idea how old you are. Why is aging portrayed as something to avoid at all costs, a source of shame and embarrassment, especially for women? My next question 
is ageism the last socially acceptable ism? I'm 62, and I'm happy to be the age I am most of the time. I'm out there loud and proud doing my thing. But all too often, people become marginalized or ignored as they age. Maybe that's starting to change, though. After all, there are almost 50 million people 60 or over in the U.S., and they're as active as ever. Today, prejudice against any group is not considered a good look. But does that extend to older people? I think that unconsciously, although I had no agenda when I started, my doing Accidental Icon was really kind of giving the finger to this notion that I have to be invisible now. Lynn Slater is the headline-making fashion influencer known on social media as the Accidental Icon. She was catapulted into fame five years ago when she was mistaken as a fashion industry insider outside an exhibit in New York City. Now in her mid-60s, she has nearly 700,000 followers on Instagram, as well as a modeling contract. So let's talk about how this happened, because... First and foremost, I understand, a college professor at Fordham. Is that right? Yes. Although I just retired after 20 years of teaching last semester. So now you're embarking on this whole new career, right? A whole new career, but really trying to think about how to incorporate my teaching and my commitment to social welfare into this new career. What did you teach at Fordham? Social welfare, ah, <laughs> social so work, law. The whole idea of ageism and how society treats older people is right in your wheelhouse, actually. Do you think ageism is the last socially acceptable ism in America? I actually do. And I actually discovered because on my Instagram, my largest following is actually 18 to 40. Wow. And the biggest bar, 25 to 35. Of course, being an academic, I asked a lot of questions. Whenever I met 25-year-olds who followed me, I would say, why? And so it turns out I've now determined ageism begins at 25. When you are 25, you don't say, oh, I'm going to be 26 my next birthday. You say, oh, my God, I'm going to be 30. I'm getting old. And then all of the stereotypes about what that mean enter into your head. And then the next thing are all the social expectations for women. And I haven't done this and I haven't done that and I haven't done that. Len, how old are you now? I'm 66. When people ask you that, do you ever wonder if you should lie about your age? Or Never. have you ever lied about your Never. age? Never. Why? Well, I think a long time ago, I decided that in order for me to have power in the world, that I had to understand and own any limitation that I would ever have in my life. And my response to limitations has been to respond to them in a creative way. And so I think that I get more angry than scared about these things. The visual representation that you give to people I think also is incredibly empowering, just as women are empowered by seeing images of other powerful women. The whole notion of if you can't see it, you can't be it. 
right. seeing you, a woman of a certain age, quote unquote, who is often marginalized or diminished or made invisible, not seen, is like, hell yeah, she's out there. She's living her life. She looks fantastic. She's cool. She's stylish. And you know what? God damn it. So am I. Right. That's the response. But I want to also make this point because I think it's really important. There's a whole bunch of young women that feel marginalized because they don't reach this perfection that fashion kind of puts out there. And so a lot of them are also inspired because I think basically I'm just very comfortable with who I am. And your message is you do you, basically. Yeah, yeah. And when young people say, oh, I'm going to be just like you when I get older, I always write back to them and I say, be me now. Just start loving yourself and putting yourself out there. If you believe ageism or fear of aging starts at 25, which is insane to me, looking at that number as a 62-year-old woman, how do we flip the script? How do we say, hey, You can lead a long, productive, visible life for many, 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 many years. It's not all downhill from here. Right. You, as important as your presence is on social media, you alone cannot change the narrative. So what other things need to happen, Lynn? Well, I think the first thing is women my age, our age, still have a lot of internalized ageism. Because of cultural conditioning. Yes, and that they project onto other women. And so I think it's very interesting to me that, again, early on, the people that really promoted me, the people that made me very public, the people that hire me, the people that pay me are all young. It's not women my age. For me, I've always been inspired by young people. And maybe that's because I'm the oldest of six children that started it. I'm a professor. And even in my practice as a social worker, I worked with young people. And they always push you to keep relevant, to keep moving. I think that in every situation, if you look hard enough, there's a little node of power, which is what I've found in social media. You know, social media can be used to have negative effects for women and social media can have very positive effects. And so I always ask myself when I'm going to post, what are women going to see or think or how am I going to make them feel when I post this picture? And so I'm very aware that I have a responsibility about this. But I also feel that this is not a project for older people, that we need to engage all ages into disrupting the story of aging. And we really better do it soon because by 2050, there's going to be way more people over the age of 60 than there is under the age of five. And so I think it's not just a social justice issue, but now it's a mental and physical health issue. And I think in terms of getting the message out, What I've learned from being a professor is you can't lecture people and you can't, you know. Play the victim either. You can't. Exactly. So I never play the victim about it. 
every single photo I put out, I have this expression on my face, like, I belong here. Look at me. In my personal life, I'm actually kind of, I'm more of a shyer person. And so that is... This is is like your alter ego coming out. it is. It is. My alter ego always came out in the classroom, too. I'm a very performative person. And when people ask me, what do I think about age? I basically say, look at my photos. I'm performing it. I don't need to talk about it. I am showing a different way to think about aging. I'm doing it visually instead of giving you a lecture about oppression and this and that. And it's almost a subconscious message in some ways, right? Under the guise of fashion, you're really communicating an incredibly important message. People just may not realize it, right? Yes, exactly. I was on a morning show as a guest not too long ago, and they posted me talking. And one of the comments was, wow, she looks old. What would you have said to that person? I am old. That's what I did say. Good for you. I now think I should have said, well, I am older and I'm lucky I've gotten here. Right. I mean, that's the other side of the coin. The other alternative is you're not here anymore. Right. And I think about that because my husband died at 42. Exactly. So every year I'm able to be here is precious to me. That's right. And I think there's so many advances now in medicine and technology that we are going to live a higher quality of life much longer. And so these old stories of you're going to stop caring about what you wear, you're going to go play bingo, right, or, or shuffleboard, or even that you're going to retire. Right. Right. I have been blessed with good health. And if this continues, I could do this for another 20 years. My mother's 94. I want those years to be exciting. I want to keep learning. I think I have something to offer. And a lot of people seem to think I do. I just want to kiss you right now. (laughs) I also had a chance to talk to another headline-grabbing fashionista of a certain age, model Joanny Johnson, who's 67 and has walked the runway for many top designers. She was even cast by Rihanna to appear in a campaign for her new Fenty fashion line. She talked to me about representing women who are not 22 in an industry often fixated on youth. I think that the opportunities have become more available to women of a certain age. It's not just here in the United States, but it's also happening in Europe and Asia. Women of a certain age are being taken more seriously. You know, it's also about they are some of the top consumers. So they do make a difference. And The responses that the media is getting from those people of a certain age saying, finally, (laughs) I get to see see myself, I see myself, is also having an impact. Lynn agrees that things are starting to change. And ironically, it's younger people who are paving the way. If you look at who is asking older women to walk in their shows, it's young designers. It is not the Gucci's. It is not the Chanel's. It's Christian Seriano had May Musk. Joanne has walked for a lot of independent designers. Right. I myself just had a fun time walking for Kate Spade. 
But I think younger people are realizing the importance of representation overall. But I think that is actually permeated through the youth culture, the importance of diversity and inclusion. And they're happily including people who are older in that equation. And I think that if I'm going to put on my social welfare, social justice hat here, is that one of the things when you have privilege in a system, which, you know, we as white people have privilege in this system, youth have privilege in fashion. And so when you have privilege, if you want to do the right thing, you become an ally. Right. And you use your privilege to advance the cause of other people. And so that's what I felt young people have done for me in particular, is they have been an ally in promoting older people to be part of this diverse mix. You're so inspiring. What would you tell women and even men, honestly, because I think they're the victims of these attitudes as well. Not mm-hmm. as much. Right. But what would you tell them about aging and about helping their outlook when it comes to getting older? Yeah. So my own experience, and I'm not going to lie, is that when I first started to age, I was not happy about the impact. I actually came to this realization. It's inevitable. There's not anything you can do to intervene in this process. And actually, if we want to be honest, it's been happening since the day we're born. One of the things that I think was very helpful to me was because I was always around young people, I was able to remain relevant when it came to things like technology. Um, Popular culture. Yes, I was able to use this new kind of culture for my benefit because I didn't reject it. And I think that's a habit that we sometimes have as older people. Because we're comfortable in our own zones. That's right. And so in this new media, I can still address issues that are really important to me. I can do it in a way that I'm not like turning people off. It's very engaging. And so... And you're going direct to consumer, as they say. Exactly. Exactly. You're a disintermediator, Lynn. <laughs> and for me, you're not an accidental icon. You're just an icon. Oh, and thank you. And what can I say? I think you rock. Lynn, thank you. Thank you so much. Coming up, anti-ageism warrior Ashton Applewhite debunks some of the biggest myths about getting older. It doesn't make sense to go through life pretending that something that is happening to you every day is not going to happen to you. That fear is bad for us. That fear keeps us from investing in our own care and our own development across our lifespan. And no discrimination is good for society. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Ashton Applewhite is an activist, influencer, and writer. She's also made Fortune's 40 Over 40 list and is the author of This Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism. Let's talk about the U-curve of happiness. Where did that come from? How did they discover it? And is it legitimate? (laughs) You sound like my mother-in-law, who would never say she'd said that U-curve. I'm not buying it. (laughs) Um, Google it. It is one of the best substantiated data sets out there. There is a whole emerging field of social science called happiness studies. So one of them could give you a more scholarly answer than I, but I can tell you that I was plenty skeptical about it and that it has been borne out by dozens of studies in the U.S. and around the world. For those of you who may not know what Ashton is talking about, in a nutshell, the U-curve of happiness shows that people are happiest at the beginning and end of their lives, but less so in the middle, which could explain why so many of us have a midlife crisis. So if we're happier as we age, and if we're living more independently as we age, then why is there so much ageism? To put it succinctly, if aging is framed as a problem, we can be persuaded to buy things to fix it. People make money off those things. No one makes money off satisfaction. So we have a huge lesson here in the body acceptance movement. You know, when once you learn that the fact that your thighs rub together is not the worst problem ever to affect mankind, you stop spending money and time on, on self-loathing. Ageism is rooted in denial of the fact that we're going to get older. I don't think self-loathing is too strong a term to use about seeing these natural transitions as, um, as awful as your own personal problem. And in the bigger sense... Ageism is a prejudice. It's stereotyping and discrimination on the basis of age. 
ageism is great for companies because they can pit supposedly expensive older workers against younger workers who can be exploited because they don't have families to support yet, right? We need to join forces old and young. Don't fall for any old versus young rhetoric. Anytime you make a judgment that uh, someone couldn't, isn't possibly old enough to know what they're doing or to tell you what to do, that's ageism too. So why is it still socially acceptable? You know, it seems to me sexism is being addressed and racism is being addressed, certainly not solved, but at least talked about. We're getting there. And this is an ism that nobody really, really talks about. Do they? I do. And I will say in a way that I I don't think is delusional that this really is changing. I mean, 10 years ago when I started on this, I was telling people what ageism is and why it's a problem. I just crisscrossed the country on a book tour and people were coming to me and saying, how can I be pro-aging? anti-ageism in my work, in my program, in my built environment. We are moving from theory to practice. What has propelled that change? I'm not sure. Perhaps it's the baby boom. I am dead center, born in 1952, you know, finally acknowledging it's true that we are aging differently than our parents did and our grandparents certainly. But guess what? Still going to get old. There's also a lot of denial on the part of baby boom, we're right. different, we're exceptional. You 60 know, is the new 30, yeah, that kind of thing. 60 is the new 60. It is different from what 60 used to be. But every time we aspire to be younger, we deny all the richness that our years have brought us. And all the, the aches and pains, too. Again, it's double-edged. I once wrote a really cranky blog post. If aging is so awful, how come no one actually wants to be any younger? People's faces do just what yours just did. There's like this moment of, wait, that sounds great. Oh, wait. You, because you don't get to take your present day consciousness back with you. Well, I'd still want to do it. You'd, you'd, you'd erase the clock? You'd go back to being who you were at 17 or whatever age? Well, how about 35? But you don't get anything that you've learned or done or been since you were 35. You have to erase. How about 40? How about 40? You tell me. No, I'm just going to point out. I will out, have folks, had my children. The numbers My husband bigger. would still be alive, and I'd look a hell of a lot better. Is I that wrong? There is no right or wrong. We each have to do this in our own way. You know, I have had women come up and say, look, I've had Botox. I have plastic surgery, whatever. If I didn't dye my hair, I would lose my job. I wish I would thought that she was exaggerating. I'm sure she's not. No judgment around any of this. But the habit of looking in the mirror and going, what the hell happened, which we all do, is deeply damaging because if you think about all the things that did happen and how fantastic they were, as just as a thought experiment, why shouldn't we look in the mirror and go, God, what an amazing life I've had rather than, gee, I wish I could afford a facelift. That's swimming upstream against all these societal messages. So how do you change society? Is it one person at a time telling herself that she's more than or can we collectively do anything about this? Both and, which, of course, you know, the consciousness raising is the tool that catalyzed the women's movement. And it's sort of an old fashioned word, but I think it's still powerful. What happened is that women came together and compared notes and realized that what they had been thinking of as personal problems, you know, their children weren't blonde enough, their boobs weren't big enough, their boss was patting them on the butt, they couldn't even get a job, were not personal problems. They were widely shared 
political problems that required collective action. And that is exactly what we need to do with aging. It is the work of a lifetime. It is a collective task. But that's why I think if I have one ask, I have a lot of them, but it would be for women to come together in consciousness raising groups. Let's talk about the implicit bias we all have and how ageism really creeps into our conversation in a way that we don't even realize. Yeah, I wouldn't even say it creeps in. It's they're sitting on the sofa. One good sort of little litmus test for yourself is to think about how you use the words old and young. You know, I hear people say, I don't feel old. What they really mean is I don't feel invisible. I don't feel useless. I don't feel incompetent. We can feel those things at any age, right? That's how I felt at 13, for sure, right? But Or I feel young means I feel energetic. I feel sexy. I feel, you know, powerful. You can feel those things at any age. So try and step back from using old as placeholder for insert decrepit awful thing and young as the positive thing because those are not attributes that are tied to our age. Not for a minute. What are other examples? Uh, Senior moment? Senior moment is bad, of course, because any prophecy about decline, cognitive in particular, is terrifying. It's not that our fears of Alzheimer's are not, you know, legitimate. It's a terrifying disease. But no one knows that rates of Alzheimer's are declining fast and that the odds of you or I or anyone listening to this of getting Alzheimer's have gotten lower and lower and that people are being diagnosed at later ages. What about the term for your age? You have some definite views on that. (laughs) You look great for your age. Thank you. First of all, (laughs) speaking of habits, try and bite that thank you before it gets out of your mouth. It's really hard not to feel complimented. But when you accept that compliment, it's ageist in the most fundamental way because it's reinforcing the idea that younger is better. And that's really the heart of the beast, right? Younger is sometimes better. Older is sometimes better, right? But this idea that old is bad and young is good. You can also only accept the compliment at the expense of everyone else your age who doesn't look quite as good as you. And that's not a recipe for social change or solidarity, right? And the real question is, why is someone, you know, bringing up age at all? I do have the one good snappy answer for you look good for I your age. I was going to say, I, what do I say? I've been working on this for 12 years and I came up with one. You say, non-snarkily, you look good for your age too. <laughs> and just let it sit there. Because the person meant it as a compliment, but then they, what you want to do is is force. I know force is a strong word, but if we don't, you know, we don't, it takes a little jolt to get us out of our groove, right? right. Is to force that moment of reflection. Gee, why didn't that feel like a compliment? And the reason it didn't is because it's embarrassing to be called out as older until we quit being embarrassed about it. And I can tell that you're over it. And doesn't it feel better? That's a great idea. I'm going to try that. <laughs> When it comes to language, my pet peeve is when people used to say about my mom or dad, they're so cute. Mm -hmm. I really found it offensive because they were exceptional people. My dad especially was brilliant. My mom incredibly creative and clever and funny. And this cute thing was so diminishing of everything about them. And I feel like too often people infantilize older people 
And it's really bugs the shit out of me. I'm with you. There's a fantastic researcher at Yale called uh, Becca Levy who coined a term for this, elder speak. And it is the honey, sweetie, deary thing. It's delegitimizing of someone as a whole person and someone who has a rich history. I think my friends meant it as a compliment, but I always bristled at it. A, A really good rule of thumb is don't call someone something you wouldn't want to be called yourself. If you wouldn't want to have someone call you cute, then think about whether you're using it to someone else. Babies are cute. Old people are not cute because you're absolutely right. It is condescending. And it turns the clock back on all their years and their richness and infantilizes them. Becca Levy's research shows that even people with advanced dementia react badly to being condescended to to elders speak. It's not good for us. No one wants to be condescended to at any age. How does this play out in the workplace, Ashton? Because obviously age discrimination for someone in his or her job is a nightmare and devastating. It is devastating. And you could argue a little bit that it's really hard for men because the workplace is often the first place white men encounter discrimination and a huge part of their sense of identity. Women often have sort of a a larger circle of friends and other sources of identity. But um, that's the only thing I'll say in defense of white men. You don't hate white men, do you? No, but I'm not wasting any energy looking out for them because they are doing a really good job of looking out for themselves. Women face the double whammy of ageism and sexism. And women of color face the triple whammy, of course, of ageism and sexism and racism. I mean, that is what intersectionality means, is that all these oppressions compound and reinforce each other. Add disability to the mix, and people, you know, face huge obstacles to representation, let alone, you know, employment, let alone employment for a decent wage, let alone employment for a wage that other people get, and so on. We are penalized, I know this is news to you, for our appearance. Economists have a charming name for this, the attractiveness penalty. Women stop getting promoted to managerial positions at 34 in the United States, right? Because we might think about having children. And you all, we all know that your uterus and your brain cannot function at the same time. And of course, when you don't get promoted early on, all these things compound. Women make less, we save less, we're penalized for time out of the workforce, typically spent on unpaid caregiving. If we have pensions, therefore less money. So women face this huge compounded disadvantage. But is the, the is the thing about being in your childbearing years, is that really ageism? Oh, or yeah. You're never you the right so? age. Oh, I think it's ageism and sexism. What does my reproductive status have to do with the fact that I am joining forces with a bunch of older women who might or might not be postmenopause? Men's reproductive status is never called out. Let's talk about the World Health Organization and the study that they're conducting now. I'm glad you brought that up because there is tons of fascinating research that shows that attitudes towards aging affect how our minds and bodies function at the cellular level. If you live in this fear-based zone where you only read the bad news because that's most of what's accessible, you have an unduly misinformed negative view of aging. If you, on the other hand, have a more positive, fact-based attitude, people live longer, an average of seven and a half years longer, walk faster, heal quicker, 
even from severe disability. And the latest study out of Yale, I'm not picking, you know, obscure science here, shows that people with more positive attitudes towards aging are less likely to develop dementia, even if they have the gene that predisposes them to the disease. So obviously, this is a fantastic argument for a anti-ageism campaign as a public health initiative. Up next, some real talk from a woman who tells it to us straight. We don't aspire to be younger people, they aspire to be us. Because, quite frankly, you know, at our age, we don't give a shit. We'll have more on that right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Cindy Gallup is one of the most outspoken and influential women in the world of advertising, a male-dominated, youth-obsessed industry, if there ever was one. I've always um, talked about and tried to do things to help change, you know, the lack of diversity across gender, race, ethnicity, sexuality, disability, and age. And so this has just been one part of what I feel very strongly about so, and what I would like to, like to drive change in. Advertising is a very interesting area because the target demographics, right, for many of these companies and many of these products has forever been 18 to 34, right? At least in my business in television or 18 to 54, if you really want to stretch it. But after 54, they don't really care. And I'm curious, is that an outdated, antiquated model in your view? 
Absolutely. And it's part of a much bigger problem, which Ashton has quite rightly highlighted, which is the patriarchy. So at the top of my industry, as at the top of your industry and every other industry, is a closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys. What that means in advertising is that the primary purchaser of everything and the primary influence of purchaser of everything is female. You know, that's that's the majority audience of advertising. Eighty percent of consumer goods are yep. bought by women. But, but the advertising industry is dominated by men. So we are constantly being sold to ourselves through the male gaze. And equally, my industry is extraordinarily ageist. Tina Brown and I were talking recently and we were saying, why is this obsession still so prominent? Because we were saying that women, when their children get older and they're out of the house, they have more disposable income, they have more freedom to travel, to spend it, to do things, and yet they're still kind of invisible. The thing about that is everything we're talking about, the solution is enormously simple. If you want to sell a ton of product to older people in a way that will make older people go, oh my God, let me get my wallet out and give you all my money, have older people make the ads. And actually, have older people create the ads, approve the ads, produce the ads, and direct the ads. If you had older people in my industry operating at every point along the way, we would see much better advertising and phenomenally aspirational depictions of ourselves. Because the enormous irony is, I bang on a lot about the Evian water campaign, which for many years has run the tagline, live young, and assumes that's what we all want to do. I created the hashtag, live older. Because we are the ones living the aspirational lifestyle. We have our own sense of values. We have our own personal tastes. We dress the way we want. We live the way we want. If we're lucky, we have money that means we can travel. We have more freedom. These are all things that younger people aspire to. But we do not see our lifestyle represented as aspirational that way in advertising or anywhere in popular culture. To play devil's advocate, though, isn't brand loyalty established kind of early on? For example, I decided I like Colgate toothpaste when I was 25, and I still buy Colgate toothpaste. So is there a reason that demographic is targeted other than they just don't like old people and the, it's the patriarchy making the decisions? It's a knee-jerk, unthinking reaction for every brand that goes, our target is millennials. You know, and in fact, I was having this conversation with a creative director in my industry who said that his team said to him, and, and actually, you know, I, I won't identify him, but the brand was a very mass market, very common household product. And his team said to him, so we're going to target this millennials. He went, why? Why? You know, there was no reason for this particular product to be targeted to young people more than any other sector of the population. So, no, it really is. It's a knee-jerk reaction. And it's a very wrong-headed assumption also that if you target your advertising at young people, they will drive the attitudes and behavior of older people because we all aspire to be like them. And that is absolutely not the case. Ashton and Cindy both think when it comes to your age, you should own it, baby. They say for women in general, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Well, the same for women once they become older, right? And am I allowed to use the word older now? Yeah, I'm yes, feeling yes. very neurotic. Yeah. No, yeah. no, absolutely. But, 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 you know, I, I have this thing, you know, I live here in Manhattan and I walk the streets of Manhattan 
And I actively look at the older people on the streets. I look at the older women that I pass by and I know every single one of those older women I see on the streets of Manhattan has had an extraordinary life. You know, and she's had an extraordinary life because I have some idea as a woman of what she's been through. What people dismiss rocketing through the streets of New York as a little old lady, there is a truly extraordinary saga of strength and desperation and difficulties and achievement and faith. There's an amazing story behind that person. And we are taught as a society to look at older women and despise them. Um, to, to just instantly dismiss them. Do you think as, despise is too strong a word? Um, no, I'm using that word in a patriarchal sense because that is what a lot of men do, consciously and unconsciously as well. I regard myself, and I say this regularly, as you know a proudly visible member of the most invisible segment of our society, which is older women. And so I want to role model in my life, you know, I want to completely counter the way society thinks an older woman should look like, be like, talk like, dress like, work like, and date like. And I want all of us to do that. We can all take actions every single day to change this. Okay. Sign me up. Like what? And that, right. okay. uh, that is right. what is going to drive the change. Yep. It's not going to come from consumer culture. It's not going to come from advertising. It's not going to come from tech. All those fields have an enormous critical role to play, but people's attitudes and incremental change is what drives culture change. And that's what is going to change the yep. role of older um, so, people. Um, so change happens from the bottom up, not the top down. Yep. Microactions. So here's the most important one. I coined the hashtag Say Your Age. Okay. And I ask every woman, um, and by the way, I ask men too, but, but we are talking about women here because ageism affects us much more, to say say her age. I do. Because because I've I've been shouting my age from the rooftops for like like for I'm fifty nine. And the thing is that my philosophy here is the opposite of what people normally say to counter ageism, which is, oh, age is just a number. No, it's not. Your age is a very special number because your age is the sum total of you. I gave an interview um, last year to a German newspaper, and the editor on the phone call um, said to me at the end, he said, um, "Now, Cindy, you know." I have to apologize in advance. You know, I'm so sorry about what I now have to ask you. But, you know, it is a requirement that we ask everybody. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. I mean, what deeply personal thing is, you know. And he went, you know, so, so I'm so sorry. How old are you? And I just, I had hysterics. I burst out laughing and I said, I'm 58, you know, and I couldn't care less. And so, you know, say your age, count anybody goes, oh, ho, ho, I won't ask how old you are by telling them. And then very importantly, take that valuation of you as in your age into the workplace. And I recommend to women, take it into job interviews. So do not do that thing of, you know, shedding a few years on LinkedIn from your resume, own your entire career to date and, and say, you know, say your age, I am 59 and I'm incredibly valuable because I have 59 years worth of, you know, what that age means is I can do this, I have expertise in this. I know some cosmetic companies have stopped using the term age-defying and that's seen as some sign of progress. Do you think it is? And what else do you think needs to be done individually and collectively? Um, everything. No, I know Allure magazine was the first to ban the term anti-aging. 
from its pages, which was great. The next sentence in the announcement linked to an ad for Retin-A. I noticed that also, but you know, we'll take it. Culture change is slow and it's incremental. But you know, aging is not just something annoying old people do or parents. It is a process that we embark upon the day we're born. Aging is living. There's a great um, British writer named Anne Karp who told Brian Lehrer on NPR, you can no more be anti-aging than anti-breathing. So I think thinking about how we just think about the term aging as a substitute for, you know, bad thing. Everyone is aging, not just parents and celebrities. It is terrible when you see these Internet features. You won't believe what they look like now. I think a very fundamental concept here is the idea of age shame. Why on earth should waking up a day older be a source of shame when it is something every person does. When we scrub our resumes for early accomplishments, we reinforce age shame. When we dye our hair just to cover the gray, and millions and millions of people do, I totally understand and respect why, no judgment. But these behaviors are not good for us because they're rooted in shame about something that shouldn't be shameful. And they give a pass to the discrimination that makes those behaviors necessary. If women worked, right, and how much money that would add to the economy, I think nobody really talks about how if people, older people were gainfully employed, how much that would add to the economy. It's a persistent oh, myth that oh, older people oh are God. a drag on the economy. There's no truth to it. You're making a point that I make all the time because, you know, when, um, when I talk about championing diversity as a whole and ageism within that as one dimension of it, I make the point that I am not doing this because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing this because I'm a hard-headed, pragmatic businesswoman. And, oh, my God, the impact on the American economy when we eradicate ageism in the workplace. Honestly, precisely your point, the extraordinary pool of talent, the resources, the point I made earlier, the time and cost efficiency of skills and expertise that have been honed over decades brought to bear on the workplace and the workload in any industry would turbocharge every single business towards a far more lucrative future, and it would power the American economy into a whole new era. Absolutely. So older workers make very good economic and business sense. Absolutely. And, I mean, there was a Wall Street Journal piece about Europe making use of older workers, but it paired it. The headline was often at the expense of younger workers. That is a myth. It is called the fallacy of the lump of labor. It is another way that we are pitted against each other, in this case, old versus young. When it's positioned as scarcity, it makes people nervous and they read the story, right? But it is false. It is alarmist. Same with this, you know, metaphor for population aging of the gray tsunami. The baby boom is the best studied demographic phenomenon in history. It's not some tidal wave that's sneaking up the Hudson when we weren't looking. You don't think they're going to cost a lot of money as they age? They? You mean we? Yeah. Yeah, that's one. Watch out for that one. (laughs) I I think, ouch. First of all, spending on older people is often portrayed as an expense. It is an investment. This talk about older people, you know, sucking more out of the system. The system was developed to enable people with disabilities or who have retired to remain self-sufficient. That's what the system was designed for. Yes, there will be costs, but there are also opportunities. Society of longer lives is going to require massive investment in infrastructure and in healthcare. Those are real costs for and sure. So, and so embrace us in the workforce. Yeah. And we will 
will make you the ton of money that far outweighs those costs. Right. And, you know, address ageism in healthcare so that so that older people receive better care and and receive the care that we need. We are facing um, an enormously troubled time on the planet. Leaders and, and politicians and corporate leaders are already exploiting deep divisions of race and class and gender. We cannot afford to add age to the mix. That's what ageism does, pits old against young. It is imperative that we overturn this narrative that to age is to fail, that older and younger people don't have anything in common. I think it's enormously important that society tackles ageism because the impact on the American economy of embracing and leveraging the enormous potential in the older workforce would dramatically power us to a very different financial scenario, which would give everybody, young and old alike, many more opportunities, better ways of living, um, better ways of aging, and ultimately just make all of us a great deal happier. Just spending some time with Lynn, Joanne, Ashton, and Cindy made me realize that even I have misconceptions about this particular demographic that I'm a part of. Maybe ageism will stop being the last socially acceptable ism if we stop shaming people because of it, just as our culture has become less tolerant of body shaming. After all, aging crosses all racial, gender, and socioeconomic lines, and it will happen to all of us one day, if we're lucky. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And until we meet again, make sure to follow me on Instagram. I'm at Katie Couric and sign up for my daily newsletter. It's called Wake Up Call. And you can do that by going to katiecouric.com. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartRadio and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric, Lauren Bright Pacheco, Julie Douglas, and Tyler Klang. Our show producers are Beth Ann Macaluso and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Dylan Fagan. Associate producers are Emily Pinto and Derek Clements. Editing is by Dylan Fagan, Derek Clements, and Lowell Berlanti. Our researcher is Barbara Keene. For more information on today's episode, go to katiecouric.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at katiecouric. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. If 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.